Hello, 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 and welcome back to the Premier Chels, your source for all things Premier League, but starting with Chelsea first. Coming to your new speakers and headsets, good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Jackie from Houston, and I have Rahul here from Connecticut. Hey, Rahul, how's it going, man? Going well, how are you doing? I could be better, I have to be <laughs> honest. I mean, it's, it's a day after the game, we'll get into that, but could be better after watching that game. Yeah, absolutely, but... Uh, the weekend go, didn't go too badly for us so that's true and before um, we get into that i think the fall is here the weather is getting nice maybe i can be positive about those things right yes it's getting a little bit cooler yeah um so stay cool and and trust <laughs> in tuchel <laughs> trust in tuchel i like that one that's true should we jump into the game my friend yes let's do it so the early kickoff well, i actually kicked off the whole match week uh this uh, weekend and it was a big one a rematch of the Champions League final uh, unfortunately we couldn't do a preview for for the game uh, so I apologize to our listeners but uh, we'll do the review and uh, you want to run us th- you want to run us through the team yeah absolutely usually we play a three four two one of sorts of that formation we actually did a little poll on Instagram with our followers, as well as you and I talked offline. We all kind of agreed that it was going to be a 3-4-2-1. However, Tinkerman Tuchel, maybe, <laughs> surprised us a little bit with a, a 3-5-2. And I'll run through that really quickly here. Goalkeeper, Mending Goal, doesn't, re- doesn't really bring any surprises to anybody. Back three of Rudiger, Christensen, and Aspiliqueta, which, you know, I'm happy with that. You've got your midfield 3-0 this time of Jorginho, Kante, and Kovacic. Then, of course, hugging the wings, you've got Reese James, Marcus Alonso, who keeps his spot after many, many weeks of playing well. And then up front, an interesting double pair in Lukaku and Werner. So a little bit of a flip-flop, but that's what he went with. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of similar to what we did in the second half versus uh, Tottenham Hotspur. Uh, in that, you know, we took Mason Mount off, brought Conte on and made it a three-man or maybe Conte played a little bit further ahead of the two. But um, I think that was the inspiration, obviously hampered by an injury to Mason Mount. You said in defense, Christensen came in. I think if Thiago Silva, who uh, was reported to have a knock, was fit, he would have started. But, I mean, an, uh, on the face of it, kind of an exciting lineup because you're getting Timo Warner and Lukaku together. Uh, and you're getting Mendy coming back from injury. Not not that Kepa hadn't been good, but um, when that news came out, I, I wasn't really concerned by by it. Yeah, I don't think concerns the word. I was surprised, right. to say the least, because I think the tried and t- trusted formation that he's been playing for six to eight months now would have what I had expected to show up. But uh, maybe he second-guessed himself. And, and look, Raul, I think if we had won this game or even got away with a draw we wouldn't be having this conversation, but as it stands, we end up losing the game. And, you know, I've sat on this podcast many times and said, I'm actually okay losing a game. I think it's the way we ended up playing the entire game, which was tough. So maybe we'll dissect the formation really quickly. Cause I feel like Tuchel maybe got into himself a little bit because we did hear that Ingolo is either nursing a little bit of an injury or is a little bit unhealthy with an illness or a virus of sorts. So, almost like he was forced back into the squad to to counterbalance City because we know they like to have a lot of the ball. But, hey, we had done it with the double pivot before and we had actually beat them in the Champions League final. So it's interesting that he went to this to kind of uh, second-guess himself. And he actually said that towards the end of the game, saying, maybe I got it wrong because when I switched to the double pivot, we actually played better. So interesting there. But 
Maybe we can jump into the front line of Lukaku and Warner because you said that was an exciting one. Any thoughts on that? I mean, I was excited to see it because we were, you know, we've always said Timo Werner plays better with the target men around him. Uh, and just the thought of having Lukaku having someone with the the pace of Timo Werner running off of him when he holds off or is able to knock it into his path uh, was another exciting point. But I think uh, what we missed was the the creativity that usually is behind Lukaku and Mason Mount or Kai Havertz, uh, which sometimes helps unlock the door or, or play a ball in faster than, than usual. Uh, I think you're right where you said we, for some reason in this game, decided or, or thought that uh, we weren't up to City's mark and, and didn't think that we could take them on at their own game, which is what we've done in the last few games. Um, and City, obviously, you got to think about it from their side. They, they're coming in three losses on, on, uh, on the spin against Chelsea, a Champions League loss where um, kind of what Tuchel did in this game, Pep did in that game. So he had something to prove as well. And, and they came in fully motivated. They knew exactly what the plan was, which was to press Chelsea high. Uh, and they kind of picked that up from Spurs, I have to say, from last week, where in that first half against Spurs, they pressed us high. And we saw that we struggled with that. Um, and maybe Tuchel wanted to counteract that with, with having a third person in midfield and having Angolo Conte. It just, for some reason, did not happen. And, and the exciting forward line that we wanted to see was never actually unlocked uh, or given the opportunity to, to score a goal. Yeah, you know, with regards to Spurs and that similar situation of being pressed high, I thought, at least in the Spurs game, we were able to get out. We were able to play out a few times and actually get a few opportunities. I think with this particular game, we were pretty much pinned back. I remember looking at it at one point where Werner and Lukaku were kind of helping defend because we were so tight and so compact at the back. And for the most part, I've seen that work in the in the past, but then we're looking for that out, right? Where it's a ball over the top or a quick one-two plays and not trying to discredit Werner and Lukaku because I think they worked hard, but every time the ball went to them, they either couldn't hold it up and wait for players to join in or they took a sloppy touch or they tried to roll the player and the touch just wasn't good enough or they would knock it too far ahead of themselves. Whatever the case may be, they just didn't gel. And that's that's independent of us playing at two. I think individually they need to look at themselves because they did miss the mark a little bit there. And the other thing I'm, I'm looking at, you know, Tuchel made a brilliant substitution in Spurs when N'Golo Kante comes in and he says, everybody looks at me bringing on a defensive player, but N'Golo has that energy that pace and that mobility to kind of help us in these situations. Kante did not look himself in that first half for City. I mean, honestly, I rarely ever say N'Golo Kante was poor, but he was he was pretty off the mark on that game. Just no energy. I'm used to seeing him close down balls. He didn't seem interested. He was late many times. His passing was off. And it could be due to the fact that he's nursing an injury or he's got that illness like Tuchel was talking to. And so Sometimes rushing a player back in is not necessarily the right thing. Maybe we wanted to play the three because of trying to fit Saul in there, or maybe even Ruben Loftus-Chiku came on later. But it was difficult to watch for sure, especially that first half where City just swallows up whole and we just could not get out no matter what we tried. Yeah, you're, you're right. And um, I guess, I mean, you know, it's one of those games where you want to try something different. You, you're playing against the, the Premier League champions at least. Um, and Tuchel does that and it doesn't pay off. Like you said at the beginning, we would be sitting here commending him if it had paid off and saying what a masterclass and what a genius. So uh, you've got to take it with the, you know, with the grain of salt in that 
he still knows what he's doing. We lost one nil. It was a deflected goal, which we which we'll talk, we'll touch on. Um, and we ourselves could have picked up another goal or picked up a goal to equalize and, and close out the game, but it didn't happen. And it's it's a wake up call in the sense that we've done well so far. We've gone to, away to the likes of Arsenal, Liverpool, Spurs. Uh, and not lost in 10 man Chelsea against Liverpool did not lose, but we lose this game. So it's, it's a, it's a, it's a season long thing. And, and this one game is coming or loss comes at a point where, you know, Tuchel can say, all right, I got it wrong, but guys, we've got to step it up and, and continue performing no matter who we play. And um, I know it's disappointing. I know a lot of our listeners and followers were upset on, on Saturday morning and you and I were too, but having reflected on it, having seen the other results on the weekend. <laughs> um, these things happen and, and you've got to see how we bounce back, which is now the main, main thing. Yeah, I think it's only upsetting, Rahul, because I had to wake up super early in the morning <laughs> central time in the US. No, I, I kid. Look, one, one word I, I stuck onto when you were talking was wake-up call. I think a lot of pundits, a lot of people have been heavily praising Chelsea, almost putting us as the favorites for the title. I, I never subscribed to that. And you said some really good words there in the fact that it's a season long thing. So again, having the loss doesn't necessarily disappoint me. I think waking up early to see the way we played was what was disappointing, but it is a wake up call in the fact that we are not, we're not fully there. We're not the finished product yet. Does that mean that this team is not able to win the Premier League? That's not what I'm saying. I think they're fully capable of, and I think Tuchel's got the tactics too. It's just how bad do you want it? And in the face of adversity, which is you've got the injuries, you know, the coach has made some changes. I don't want to heap all the blame on Tuchel. You as an 11 on the field now need to make things work and not being able to get out. Yes, City were brilliant. I need to stop and pause and say City were brilliant, but we are too. And so you guys not being able to get out of being pinned back is a little worrisome. It's almost like we lost faith in the plan. We lost faith in ourselves and that can happen. And so wake up calls a great way to describe it. And hopefully they take this as a kick in the backside and we can move forward from here. No, absolutely. And you, you, as title contenders, you want to measure yourself up against the best and city are the best. I don't want to turn this into a city love and affair, no. but city are the best. I mean, you think about it, Pep's been there three, four seasons now. Um, and Tuchel's only been here 10 months. And yes, we've said for the longest time, Tuchel's turned this around. Tuchel's done this, Tuchel's done that. Uh, but you got to remember, like you were saying, we're still our team that are kind of finding our feet in the in the sense that we want to push for a title over a longer period, over right. a season versus going from February to May and winning the Champions League. Not discrediting that, uh, but saying it's it's a marathon and not a sprint. Yeah, exactly. That's a, a very good way to explain that. In and I forget who had said this before. I think maybe it was Alex when we were talking about the Euros. In knockout competition style, you really got to show up for the day and that's it. When you're talking about the Premier League, you're going to get a loss, you're going to get a draw here or there, but it's that consistency throughout that season that wins you titles. And look, City has lost a game already this season, so now we join them in a loss. It's not something where I'm sitting here saying it hurts. However, it's part of this, how quickly can Chelsea bounce back from this? And then how can they show that consistency where you're winning way more than losing or drawing them? Right, and and you're up for it. it that's the main thing, which we... Like you said, Tucho may have got his tactics wrong, but the team did not look up for it. Right. Um, and that's that's where you've got to stay on it every game, every week, so that when you're at the business end of the season, April, May, 
you're right there with it within within touching distance and then you can say okay now it's really like knockout and every game is a yeah, final exactly. and we we've, we've got to play it like a final so uh not to get too much into our loss and get too concerned like i said i also did wake up early maybe not as early <laughs> as you did because i did miss the first half but um no no shame in losing to city yes there's always you never want to lose but no shame in losing to city and and i'd rather lose to city now than later in the season when we're fighting for the title and it's there's no more games to make up for it yeah that's a fair point and honestly i don't want to heap all negativity towards this i do want to call out some star performers i think Thiago silva uh who came in maybe you want to talk about the injury before we talk about Thiago silva but he came in for an injury yeah, so Reese James came back in and um, got to commend Reese James for the penalty he took in that Villa Carabao Cup game. He stepped up as the fifth taker, buried at home, which put us into the next round. Uh, and he started this game in his right wing back position. And early in that first half, he went off injured. We're hearing it's an ankle injury, which could probably keep him out for six, maybe eight weeks. Yeah. Um, so that's a little sad for him because he was coming back into the team and. Um, you know, he is a good player and, and we'll miss him. But uh, Tiago Silva comes in, like you said, for him. And we kind of reshuffle the back line where Aspilicueta goes into right wing back and uh, Christensen moves over to the right and Tiago takes that central uh, center, center back position. Yeah, and at the ripe old age of 37, Rahul playing these week in, week out tough games, which, yes, he did have a knock, but sometimes I think you do need to sit somebody at that age out, not because they cannot do it. That's what I'm trying to say. I think it's to manage them. Right. Make sure they get enough breaks to let the body recover before the next game. However, my goodness, I think if I have to heap praise on anybody, this man really is, is, is a class apart from some of the players out there. I mean, 37 going strong, came on like nothing was wrong and just continued to play his great football, which is honestly a breath of fresh air to see. We People talk a lot about Ronaldo and Messi and how they've maintained their high levels and all this. I think Thiago Silva Yes, he's not that one about on the or, but he needs to be put into that bracket of having that mentality, that lifestyle, that healthiness of keeping yourself fit and coming to the Premier League at 37 with no prior experience and doing what he's doing right now. Uh, hats off to that man. And another one is, is Tony Rudiger. I know you said in the last episode, signed that contract. He was up for it. Like when we say players were not up for it. He was bullying Gabriel Jesus <laughs> the whole first half, which was incredible to watch because he was just pushing him around, you know, letting him know he was there in the in the most nicest way to say that. And, and those are the things I take as the silver lining or the positives from this game is those two guys really wanted to show that, you know, they bleed Chelsea and here's what we can do in a tough situation. Yeah, you're spot on and. It's funny that in a one nil loss, we're, we're still commending our defenders, but they deserve it. And uh, the two of them were good. I mean, I think after we conceded that goal, things got a little chaotic in that we were trying to push more. There was more spaces in the back, but even then they, they always found a way to defend it. And if they didn't do it, Eduardo Mendy, another player who, who came in and and kind of just picked up where he had left off. Yes, he did concede the goal, but uh, he made a crucial save against Jack Grealish who tried to kind of dink it over him and and, and Mandy was like no no not today (laughs) Um, and so between those three I think uh, there were some positives and there's one more player that I'll let you touch on that came on uh, and provided a a bit of a spark and he was up for it yeah absolutely and that's Mr. Ruben Loftus-Cheek we talked about him a few minutes ago when we were talking about maybe that three where Kante is not fully fit but he came into 
taking when they took off Conte, they brought him on to kind of play that attacking role in that fourth four no three four two one and he was behind Lukaku but he just seemed energized he seemed excited he didn't care that we were one nail down and I think it's one of those things where that's what I expect when we're losing a game is I don't care if we're losing the game as long as we turn up for the day we've already talked about Silva we talked about Rudiger but this guy turned up and so he's sending a message not only to Tuchel but to the likes of Mount Kai Havertz Timo Werner others that are vying for that position. It's like, hey, I wasn't here last season. I wasn't necessarily Tuchel's in and out of his plans, but here I am and watch what I can do. He can dribble. He's got pace for such a big, tall, strong guy. And he's he's pretty physical as well. I could see some players trying to hold him back and he's like, not going to happen today. So again, another silver lining that we can pluck out of this. I'm excited to see more of him. And if he can challenge to start starting, it's good to see a couple of physical guys. Because I think last season, Raul, we had talked about missing physicality in that in that midfield. But you add him to Lukaku, two physical guys in the final third of the field, that would be an interesting one to watch, especially in games like this where you need somebody to hold up the ball so the rest of the team catches up. Yeah, no, you, you're just 100% correct. And Ruben Loftus-Cheek comes on and he had played, again, I'm going to go back just to the Villa game in the Carabao Cup where mm-hmm. uh, Loftus-Cheek played the full game and Throughout that game, you could see all of the things you've just mentioned. Uh, and the only the only knock was, well, he's doing it against a, a reserve team in Aston Villa who played, you know, some of the younger players. But he came on and, and did it against the best team in, in the Premier League and in some of their midfielders with the thinking about Rodri, thinking about Kevin De Bruyne, uh, Bernardo Silva. I think Fernandinho came on too at one point. And Loftus-Cheek stood out against all of these players. I'm not saying, I'm not comparing them to them, but I'm just saying what versus one-on-one against them. He was doing well. He was trying to bring us back into the game. Uh, and that's what you want to say from a sub. Obviously you want to, you want to have them contribute in the goal or an assist, but uh, he didn't, he didn't get to that point, but he did everything that he could have done in terms of trying to pull us back into the game. Uh, and I think moving forward, and we've said this about Tuchel, is it doesn't matter who you are. If you are performing and, and doing the business, you will get the game time. Uh, and so I'm excited to see what, you know, what he gives him in terms of starts, uh, in terms of, you know, even appearances off the bench. And that keeps the likes of Jorginho and Golokante, Kovacic on their toes, because this season they know there's Ruben Loftus-Cheek, there's Saul. Uh, and typically it's two people that play that position. So they've got to perform and, I think I texted you at, towards the end of this game is you'd have never thought taking off Conte and Jorginho, two of our best midfielders in the same game, but he did. And so again, going back to Tuchel, he's not afraid to make those big calls. And uh, I think it's, it's a good period for, for Ruben Loftus-Cheek to say, hey, boss, I'm here and I'm ready to perform and I will perform. Yeah, and look, we have a lot of games this season. Yes. I know we have to go off for the World Club championship as well at some point so all of these guys will get a chance it's just a matter of which games you get to play and how big they are so in Ruben's case I for one am thrilled because he had a nasty injury that you and I actually witnessed in person it was it was horrible because he was flying high that season Um, credit to him he went to rebuild his career a little bit and get fit which is excellent to see but when a player comes back from injury of that way you always imagine they're a little bit timid for lack of a better word but Ruben doesn't show signs of that. He, sh- he shows signs of I'm ready to go. And hopefully he can start pushing himself to be in more and more big games. This was a good step to see him in a Manchester City game. Granted, we do have a couple of injuries in these positions. We actually have a few injuries that we'll talk about in just a minute here. 
But these are the opportunities you take and these are the opportunities that he can make. And, you know, again, what I like about Ruben is he's a Chelsea boy through and through. We, we love to heap praise on, on Mason and, and the likes of um, Reese James and all, but this is what I want to see. Some more of our youth coming through. Yeah, you're right. And I was actually just looking up. Ruben's just 25 years old. Right. I know he's been around for a while. We've said his name for a lot of seasons, but he's still young. He's still going to get into his prime. Uh, and if he stays fit and continues to perform the way we've seen in the last two, three games, uh, I think he could definitely stake a claim to be a starter uh, right. and, and you know, contribute, like you said, all those attributes he has. But I, what, the one thing I, I like to, from him is he has the physicality. Right. Um, and you know, you can always in a game like this, say Ruben head up and like, you know, be next to Lukaku and maybe you'll attract another defender, which will open up the space for one of the other guys, which is not a bad option to have. No, not at all. But let's really talk about injuries for a few minutes here. We talked about Reese James already going off injured. You said six to eight weeks, big miss. I think so. Yes. Because it, it, allowed Tuchel the ability to play Aspilicueta, uh, you know, in central defense. Now it's either that or moving him, Aspi, to right wing back and then bringing in a central defender or giving uh, Hudson-Odoi, I beg your pardon, an opportunity. And I think talking about Ruben taking advantage of his opportunity, I think Hudson-Odoi will get games. It's really now up to him what he does with those games and um, performs and he's almost got to look back to the first two, three games, four games he played under Tuchel where he was a standout player right. in a position that he never had played. Uh, and he's just got to go back to doing some of those basics he was doing. And I think um, as much as we'll miss Reese, I think Hudson Adoy could uh, fill in and do a job. Yeah. That's the one positive about injuries, right? Rahul is if Hudson Adoy gets a chance, if Trevor Chaloba gets a chance, because yeah. those are the boys that might get to slot in would be, would be good to see. But a couple of other interesting injuries. Thiago Silva came on. Maybe his was a very lightweight injury because he's looking okay. Kante has gone in and out, not only this season, but last season with a couple of knocks here and there. Maybe this was illness. A little bit worried about him because I think N'Golo Kante on his day is world-class. So when we miss a player like that or he doesn't turn up because he's not feeling up to it, it's a huge gap in, in our midfield. I don't know what your thoughts on Kante are there. No, it's it's spot on, and uh, we've seen this with some of our other midfielders that are kind of physical in the sense that they go up and down, box to box is what we call them. And and I think back to Michael Essien, who was just one of the best in terms of doing that. But towards the end, and as he got closer to that 30, 31-year age mark, you see that these players start picking up injuries and knocks a lot more. And we've seen that with Conte in, in Lampard's first season, second season, uh, and then with Tuchel too, last uh, towards the end of last season, he was being managed where he wasn't playing every game, and I don't think he is in a position to just play game after game after game because he's going to pick up a knock, and then it's going to keep him out for a while. And we miss him. We miss his energy. We miss his ability to to snuff out opportunities that other teams create. And a fully fit Conte can never be replaced, but a Conte that needs to be managed um, so that his career could be prolonged a little bit is, is definitely one that we we've got to, and Tuchel's got to manage. Well said, definitely. I would take that any day rather than losing him for, you know, five, six weeks at a given point. So another couple of ones here, Rahul Pulisic's been out for a little bit. He had COVID, you got a couple of injuries. He's another player that could have really 
turned this Manchester City game on its head. He had done this uh, last season as well. Are we going to see Pulisic? I know Alex said he was training recently, but we really are missing that pace. We are, and we're, what we're missing is the ability to 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 dribble through right. um, the the willingness to force his way through and, and do some of the things that Pulisic does. And um, it's a pity because we saw him in that first game against Crystal Palace. He got himself a goal again, sheer from the sheer willingness to get into the box and, and get towards the ball. Um, and then COVID happened and then he went away with the U S men's national team. And I think he picked up a knock there. Um, and for some reason it's just not fixed or, or hasn't been worked out. And so he, the last I'd heard was he was training. Um, but again, he missed out on Saturday and it's concerning because we're now coming up to another international break. Yeah. Uh, you know, we have a couple more games and then we go into a break and, um, does he go away with the U S men's national team? And if he does and comes back with another knock, we're now talking about another few weeks he's out. Yeah. Um, so it's almost concerning because we want to see him. We want to see him in the Chelsea blue, um, but for some reason or the other, things aren't just working out for him. Right. Well, hopefully he can get his fitness back quickly and retain it because we love seeing him play. I think he's on his day, he brings that something different or that something special, which we're missing. And speaking of something special, Mason Mount has been off the, the boil a little bit recently, but then picks up an injury. He was another one that could have maybe turned this game on the head as well. He was, and I saw a lot of fans on, on social media say this is why Mason Mount plays because yeah. he brings the energy and, and, and the, the willingness to work hard and, and track back and do all of that. But he also has that vision that we've seen right. from him uh, and his ability to connect with Lukaku, with Havertz, depending on who's playing. And we missed that a little bit in this game. And um, I think this was the first time he missed a game in two years of, of Premier League. Basically, he's been fit and available up until this game, which was the first time he couldn't be picked. And that's a, it's a, a record in itself that speaks very highly of him because he's um, avoided these injuries and knocks. But as you, as you think about it, he played a lot last season. He played at the Euros. He's come back and basically just started playing again. And at some point, these things do catch up with you. And, and that's what you and I were uh, discussing before we started the episode is younger players. And I, I was talking about Conte and the other side of it, on the on, on the younger side of it, young players kind of get burnt out. Yeah. Uh, and I know you'll touch on it. And I think we've got to manage Mason Mount on that part. It's a tough one, right, Rahul? Because I think similar to Conte on his day when Mason Mount is ready to go, you want him in that team because he brings the same level of excitement and energy. He's not scoring the most goals, but he's always there in around the box contributing with a, an assist or a tap-in or sometimes gets a whirly like against Liverpool last season. So he's got that something special similar to what we've talked about with Pulisic. He's got that energy like Conte. But Mason Mount reminds me of a young Oscar. This is what we were talking about before we started filming here. When Oscar came to Chelsea, he was incredible. I mean, he scored that wonder goal against Juventus, which we still talk about today. Buffon talks about it because it gives everybody chills. And he went on for three or four seasons playing 60-odd games a season, international games in between. And then we just never saw the same of Oscar before, not because he lost his talent, you just lose that sharpness from burning your body to the ground by playing and playing and playing again. And we want to do this because whenever Mason's not on, I text him like, why is Mason not playing? Okay, today he picked up an injury, but he's losing that sharpness in the last few games. Again, I think it's a temporary thing. 
he, he's probably going to come back to it. But it's another good point you say there to manage him. We do have a lot of players, Ruben Loftus-Cheek now added to that mix that could take up that two behind Lukaku and maybe give Mason the odd break here or there to just get his fitness back up and maybe a mental break as well because they have gone through a lot in the last few few years here between Lampard getting sacked, then you've got the Champions League, you played through entire COVID, you played through Euros, a lot of different things going on. So hopefully he comes back fit and then we manage him correctly. And by manage, I mean Tuchel and his staff make what's the right decisions. And then we kind of see where if we can get to the back, back to the best of Mason. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. And I, I mean, it's, you play a lot of football and you play a lot of games and, and minutes and everything. And um, it's, it's at the top level. So it's a hundred percent every single time you're playing. And um, if you let it drop, then like you were saying, Tuchel, you know, has to make the call, but I think with Mason Mount, maybe it's it's a, it's a precautionary thing that he wanted to avoid becoming a bigger deal, or he was simply just, you know, sending him a message. I see that you weren't performing at your best against right. Spurs, and I'm going to give you a game off. Not saying that that's the case. I'm just a different side of it. Right. Uh, but I need you to come back sharp for Juventus and Southampton before you go away with England. Yeah, fair point. So hopefully we see that in the next few games here, and we'll touch about Juventus in a few minutes here. But you know. One of the things that happened in this loss is we start worrying about the table. Yes, it's super early days and no need to panic, but it kind of worked out nicely for us, Rahul. But before I move on there, let's talk really quickly about a couple of key moments in the match. What's a key moment for you before we talk about some of these other games? I mean, I think back to the first half where Timo Werner had a few opportunities to run in behind City's defense and he did and, and just couldn't pick out Lukaku or another yeah. player uh, and so for me that's that's going to be the key moment is where we had the opportunity to kind of get that first goal and and I think um, if we had gotten that first goal it would have opened the game up a little more in the sense that we could have always just had that threat on the counter um, so I'm going to go for that I mean apart from that I think Lukaku had a header late in that game um, or he was about to and, and Ruben Diaz was all over him. So um, I'm going to go for the, the Timo Werner opportunities in the first yeah, half. Fair shot. I think a moment of the match for me was actually Ruben Loftus-Cheek coming on because he he showed us that there's something there and hopefully it's not just a one-off and we can see what happens in the next few games here. Uh, I don't have the man of the match for this one. I might go with maybe Rudiger or Thiago Silva. Yes, we did concede a goal. I thought both of them were excellent. I don't know if you've got somebody in mind for man of the match on the Chelsea side, because I know City did win this one. I, I mean, I'm going to go for Mendy because all I can think about is him making that save against Grealish. And I think overall he was pretty good throughout the whole game and not really at fault for that goal that we even conceded because um, it took a deflection and went right in the corner. So I'm going to go for Mendy. Fair enough. All right, let's bounce back to what we are talking about earlier. So losing the game, but kind of worked out okay for us. I think I'll, I'll jump through these games here and we'll talk about them in just a minute. Man United at home to Aston Villa. You've got Ronaldo, Bruno Fernandes, all the big guns playing. And what was the result, Rahul? 1-0 to Villa. <laughs> we're a little bit too excited, guys, as you can tell. No, we're trying to find some fun in this. So a surprising result? Oh, yeah, absolutely. But Surprising from the United side, not surprising yeah. from the Villa side, because we well we ourselves played Villa, and like I, we we had said back then, was if without Lukaku we struggled to a one nil win, which obviously came from a mistake that Villa made that Kovacic pounced on. So 
Uh, Villa are a decent side, and I know they had some issues earlier in the season, and then they had the issue with Martinez and Buendia having to quarantine in Croatia. But they're now coming, coming together and coming back, uh, you know, to where they belong towards the the upper or in the top 10 positions. Um, and they defended well. I, I mean, every team that Ronaldo has played against this season, he's found a goal and uh, the first blank he draws is against Aston Villa and they deserve all the credit. We have to talk about Bruno's penalty miss and, <laughs> and Emmy Martinez's banter. Banter. Yeah, there you go. Um, in that before the lead up to the penalty, but um the other thing I wanted to say about this game was I think this was the first time two games kicked off at the yeah. same time that early kickoff. And it was weird. I was watching the Chelsea game and all of a sudden I'm like seeing things about United pop up and I'm like, I thought they were playing later, but um, I guess TV, TV rights or whatever dictated that. Yeah. And look, this is a tough loss for Man United, but just like we've talked about Chelsea, it's early days. And so it should not mean too much in the grand scheme of the entire Premier League. But I think more credit for Aston Villa, like you've been saying, and I don't want to drag on too much about them, but they've kind of found their rhythm now. They've signed some good players and, you know, you lose Jack Grealish, who is kind of your star man, you get a hundred million. And we know similar to Tottenham who got a hundred million several years ago, it's easy to invest it wrongly. And so far it looks like they've invested it correctly, knock on wood. But credit to them coming to Old Trafford and playing the way they did. And then you look at the Aston Villa fans after the game having just one of the best days of their lives doing the Ronaldo celebration all day outside Old Trafford. Yeah, I mean, it's for Villa, right? You go away to United, you're not really expecting a win. You get the first goal right at the end of the game. You can see the penalty right at the end of the game. Um, And then United miss it and you come away with the three points. It's just... It's a thrilling and, and, you know, you just, it's again, banter by doing all of that at the end of the game, but you've earned it. And in the moment, I feel like if you and I were there, we would have, we would have jumped in too. (laughs) Um, But Bruno Fernandes first penalty miss, I believe for Manchester United. And um, do you think he takes another one? It's going to be interesting, right? Because he's been so clinical at these penalties, but now you've got, you know, a Ballon d'Or winner sitting on your shoulder <laughs> telling. And, and, you know, Ronaldo is, a, I, I hate to say it this way because people will laugh at me. Ronaldo is a pretty humble guy when it comes to his teammates with regards to like Bruno needs to take a penalty, but he may be in Solskjaer's ear saying, <laughs> hey man, I can take penalties too. And we'll see how that plays out. Yeah. But let's move on to Leeds versus uh, West Ham here and Leeds one, West Ham two. Leeds don't look like the same side that they were last year, huh? They don't. And, the concerning thing for them is I think last year they were keeping it tight at the back, getting goals up front. Uh, Patrick Bamford missed out and I don't even think they really missed him because they're just not as, as defensively secure as we have seen them. And, uh, and they're also struggling to score goals. So it's, it's tough. And I don't even think they won a game yet. I'm going to double check that, but they could, struggle yeah, if Leeds you, have got three draws and three losses so yeah not so, yet, so. Um, they could struggle this season if they don't fix some of those issues but again Bielsa is a good manager and, mm-hmm. and you expect him to kind of fix things around and, and get them uh, yeah, picking up some wins credit to David Moyes and West of Ham course, I think yes. they've, they've been they were brilliant last season and they've continued where they've left off they lost Jesse Lingard who in the second half of that season was really on form for them 
And so they've gone from there, but, you know, Antonio has picked up where he's left off. I don't want to say his name wrong. Said Benarama. Benarama, yeah. Benarama has been brilliant for them as well. So they've got some good players that are contributing to goals and it can only get better from here for West Ham. Yeah, and, and they West Ham just knocked out Manchester United in yeah. the Carabao Cup. So um, they're doing well and also in Europe and you kind of expect them to drop at some point, but uh, they so far are doing pretty well. Yeah, forgot about that knockout Manchester United. Tough week for them this week, unfortunately. Uh, Leicester, Burnley, it ends 2-2. And, you know, Burnley looked like a good, tough side, but Leicester, another team that seemed to have not found their feet yet. But one guy that you can always rely on, Jamie Vardy coming up with the goods, not with two goals, but with three goals, an own goal for himself that Burnley <laughs> took on the chin, and then he scored two to bring them back into the game. But anything to be said there, Rahul? No, I, I more for Leicester. I think they won two games this season out yeah. of the six they've played. And um, for a team that, you know, have been up and around the top four and really just missed out on the final day for the last two seasons, uh, it's a little concerning because they seem to have dropped their their levels or, or dropped in, in the sense that the motivation to kind of do it again for the third season isn't there for now. Um but they're a good side. And like you said, Jamie Vardy, they've got some other good players. And um, as Alex would say, they haven't been the same since the Amarte episode. <laughs> um, but you kind of expect them to bounce back. And, and Burnley credit to them going away and picking up a draw against uh, Leicester. In fact, they scored a third goal that was offside. So they could have almost walked away with the win. So speaking of teams that are punching above their weight, Brentford, Rahul. You and I both said they would be one of the cases for relegation. 3-3 three, three to the mighty Liverpool. I don't know where to go from here. I think we need to change our predictions. <laughs> um, they've, they've shown Jackie all season that they, they aren't your typical promoted side where, you know, you look at North City and, and they haven't picked up a win. You look at Watford and, and they've done okay. But Brentford have come in with a plan, fully motivated to, to fight till every, for, for every ball until, until the end, and they've done it. I mean, you play Liverpool, and you kind of expect them to not even get on the score sheet. They get on score sheet not once, not twice, but three times and, and walk away with the point. Do you know what? It's early days, and so this, this could turn around, but this Brentford team are doing something magical so far, and I think the magic number that we've always looked at for surviving the Premier League is typically 40. So the quicker they can get to there while they're in this red hot form is going to be excellent for them. I love the way they celebrated this draw with Liverpool. I mean, I, you would have thought they won like the Premier League or something, but good for them. They're really enjoying being in the Premier League. They're working very, very hard on the flip side. It's an interesting one for Liverpool because you've got Virgil van Dijk back now. They signed a center back. They've got their injury issues under control, but I don't know if it was just Brentford having a good day at the office or Liverpool having a bad day at the office, which is, it's going to be interesting to see over the next few weeks, if they can solidify that back line. I mean, it's, it's got to be a little bit of both, right? Like yeah. Brentford and, the, and you've got to think back to if they didn't have fans in the stadium, Liverpool probably would have walked away with, with the three points, but with the fans, with the atmosphere, yeah. with the with the motivation, and simply just being back in the Premier League, I think for the first time in forty something years, wow! Yeah, um, hosting Liverpool, the fans were fully in it. The players were just—it's just 
that's the magic of the Premier League. And um, credit to Brentford, credit to their manager, Thomas Frank, who, you know, for a few years had been trying to get them promoted and finally does it. And now they're they're enjoying it. Uh, And long may it continue. You want to have a feel good story apart from, you know, some of these other established teams in in the Premier League. And um, I, I, I didn't tune into the Liverpool game, but I I did see the highlights and I wish I had seen it live because that was, that was an entertaining game. It was most definitely an entertaining game and turning our attention to Liverpool, Mohamed Salah, the fastest Liverpool player to reach a hundred Premier League goals. And Rahul, if things had been a little bit different, we, we might have been saying the fastest player to reach 100 goals for Chelsea. But look, you can't cry over spilled milk. What a player this man is. He is. And we've spoken about it. I think this might be the third consecutive episode where we're talking about him. And um, he is a very good player. He's turned himself into a player that you, know, you can rely on. And uh, credit to him, because after that Chelsea stint, he could have easily fallen fallen away and gone away, but he went away, made sure he was working hard, got the attention of Jurgen Klopp, and he fits that system perfectly. Yeah. Sometimes you need to have a, somebody believe in you, and I think Jurgen right. Klopp really believes in, in Mohamed Salah and, and the rest of his team. And so together, to, you know, they play really, really well. And it's just a great achievement for him to have because we've talked about the likes of Fernando Torres, Luis Suarez, and they've had some great forwards over the last few years, even going further back to the likes of Michael Owen, Robbie Fowler, even Keane at some point. So you look at it and you go, he's done something that's pretty incredible to beat all of them out. Yeah, I, I agree. And and they remain un, undefeated this season. So um, they'll definitely be up there in terms of the title. Yep. We'll turn our attention to the North London Derby, and then I'll talk about the, the, t- the table before we move on to the Champions League. But we made a little bit of fun of Arsenal earlier on the season, saying that this might be difficult. Alex even pipped them for relegation, <laughs> which you never know in the Premier League. But they seem to have come away with a 3-1 win to Spurs. Hey, hey, that was, again, I, playing at home, fans are behind you, North London Derby. Um, Arsenal were 100% up for it, and Spurs were 100% <laughs> didn't want to be there at all. <laughs> um, and as soon as Arsenal get the first goal, you could sense that, you know, they're going to push on and get the second and, and push on and get the third. And they did exactly that. And it's three nil at halftime. And you're looking at Spurs and you're saying, what is going on? It's, I mean, they were so good against us in the first half last week. And then you just haven't seen that since that game last weekend, where we tore them apart in the second half. And then this whole of the whole Arsenal game, they were just a shadow of the side they've been for the last few years. Yeah, you think Harry Kane is regretting his decision for not pushing harder to leave Tottenham? Yeah, I, I think Harry Kane's regretting every decision that he made this summer because he could he could have cancelled his contract, he could have taken them to court. Whatever he could have done, he should have done because it's not just about Harry Kane, right? I think it's affecting the whole team. It is, yeah. And so, and we spoke about, I think, Nuno a couple of episodes ago where we said, is he the man to end their trophy drought? And He's walked into a situation that is absolutely horrible to be in as a manager. And it's going to take a lot of patience from Daniel Levy. And I don't know if he will have that to have him have Nuno fix it. Um, but Spurs look like they're in trouble. Yeah, it's going to be tough. And honestly, looking at Harry Kane's body language, like you said, he's just not he's not feeling it. He's not happy and, and definitely spot on with it. It's spreading into the rest of the, the Tottenham squad. So 
they need to fix that pretty quickly. And basically we have to see what happens to Tottenham from here. But let's talk about the Premier League table really quickly. This time last week, we were talking about Chelsea being up in the same exact results as Liverpool. We were top of the table based on like a away win, on a, no, away draw. Because yeah. was, uh, <laughs> I mean, it was so funky. Look, it's early days, but Liverpool at top with 14 points. Manchester City, Chelsea in second and third with 13 Manchester United and Everton fourth and fifth with 13 points. So it's super tight so far at the beginning of the season so far, which is nice to see. It's honestly a, a breath of fresh air. I'm going to jump into sixth place because I think this deserves some recognition. Brighton sitting in sixth place with 12 points. So honestly, they've done so well for themselves so far. Going down to relegation, poor old Norwich. I hope this is not like last year. I think it was Sheffield United, which I said poor Sheffield till about like February where they had not even pipped a point. Uh, they're sitting with no points right now. Burnley sitting with two points in 19th. Leeds in 18th with three points. And Newcastle is, is in and about there, so they need to be careful as well. But that's what the Premier League table is looking like. Yeah, thanks. And uh, just on Brighton, if they win against Palace tomorrow, they go top of the table. And that was another team we had picked to go down. So um <laughs> I, th- I think we were going to wait till mid-season to redo our, our predictions, but maybe time already. <laughs> <laughs> we may need to stop doing predictions at this point. <laughs> but all right, do you want to jump into the Champions League, Rahul? Yeah, so Champions League is back uh, this week, and we play Juventus, who, oh, you know, Italian, okay. Italian giants, not Italian champions because Inter Milan won it last mm-hmm. season. But uh, Juventus come into this game at, on Wednesday, actually, on, on the 29th, and we go to Italy for the first game, and um, they won their first game in the group stages against Malmo 3 0, uh, which was a little bit of a, a, a shock because they've been having kind of a, a, a yo yo season, you can say, so far because they lost against uh, Empoli, they've drawn against Udinese, they've lost against Napoli. Um, in the last two games, they won 3 2 against Spezia. And Sampdoria. So not the Juventus that you've kind of known on in terms of they build their their wins over on defensive performances and they lost Ronaldo also uh, in the summer. So um, not saying that we should be carried away that, you know, we're playing against a weakened Juventus side, but it's not the same side that you've come to expect over the last few seasons. Yeah, and honestly, I think that's a good time for us, especially coming off the loss to Manchester City. Again, I think that we have to give a lot of respect to Juventus because they do have quality players all throughout that team. They may not just be gelling at this point in time. So any team news on the Juventus side for us? Yeah, so I think from, you know, the game that they just played, Morata, our former Chelsea striker, uh, and Paulo Dybala. No, I'm not talking about Alex. I'm talking about about Paulo Dybala, the Argentinian. uh, Both seem to have picked up knocks and most likely will miss out on, on the game. Yeah, even if Morata was playing, I don't think I'd be too worried about him given his record <laughs> in Chelsea. Look, I just kid, guys. No, uh, unfortunately, not to see him playing. And, and Paulo Dybala is a real talent. So uh, we always want to play against the best, I think. And it's it's part of the beauty of the Champions League. And so not seeing him out there, Morata out there, is a little bit sad to see. But again, I think they have a quality, quality squad. Maybe we should do a predicted 11. Yeah, I mean, it's... I think Mendy is fit, so Mendy stays in goal. Um, I think... Aspilicueta may continue with Christensen, especially if Thiago Silva is in, 
wasn't going to be playing the city game and then pretty much played the whole game with with a, a knock or an injury um, will be rested I think Rudiger like we've said if he's fit will play uh, that right wing back position now becomes interesting because does he play uh, Aspilicueta in defense and play Hudson Adoy at right wing back um, it really will show us how much he trusts Hudson Adoy but I think he does um, I think Jorginho and Kovacic, especially with Conte with the with the illness, and then I think Ben Chilwell should be playing this game. And I've said that in the past, but Alonso has continued, and and no knock against Alonso, but I think it may be time to kind of transition over to to Ben Chilwell, uh, and then I think off top Lukaku and I think Mason Mount and Havertz. Okay, that's a good starting lineup. I think that it's going to be interesting because. He might slide uh, Aspilicueta into right wing back, and maybe we see Chaloba come and play, or maybe Thiago Silva continues. I mean, thirty-seven true, young yeah. yet, so that'll be interesting. The left, the left wing back position, I do strongly agree with you. I think when we play strong attacking teams, which Juventus are strong attacking teams, just like City is, Alonso doesn't shine as well when we're on the back foot. Going forward, absolutely, but when we're on the back foot, I think Chilwell's a little more better defensively, and so hopefully we get to see Chilwell in this one. Uh, the two behind. Uh, Lukaku is going to be interesting because I'd love to see Ruben get an opportunity here, whether it's for Mount or for Kai, but again, strong lineup and it should be an interesting matchup playing one of Europe's finest. Yeah. And I mean, I, I wouldn't be disappointed or, or actually would actually be very happy for Ruben if he plays. Um, but I just feel that he may want to play Ruben in that, in his central midfield position. And that may be as a substitute for now. Um, but again, if he gets a start, then, Credit to Tuchel for recognizing that we need someone who's in form and has has been impressing. So we're going to be playing Juventus. We're traveling to Italy. We're coming off a loss. What do you think the scoreline is going to be? That's I've been my last few predictions. I've been going for two one, and and they've been going out the window. But I think uh, with Juventus missing a few players, and you know us coming off of a loss. I think a one nil to Chelsea. Fair enough. I'm going to go for a nil nil. <laughs> I think that the teams are going to try and cancel each other out for this particular game. Yeah, I mean, and look, it, it's for us a nil nil in Italy isn't a bad result, but I think ultimately it will come down to us or Juventus for that top spot. So if we do want to qualify as soon as possible, a win here would be very good in terms of doing that. Yep, absolutely. All right, Rahul, should we jump into a different? section of the Chelsea club and that is the women's league yes and uh as was the case last season the women were winning when the men weren't and (laughs) and saving the weekend and that's exactly what they did this time around where they won 6-1 versus Manchester United in Manchester talk about a thrashing right there (laughs) It, it absolutely was and um, some of the names, I mean, we've we mentioned them every episode in terms of the women. Fran Kirby gets the first goal, uh, Harder gets the second one, Sam Kerr gets the third one, and it's 3 0 in the first half. Um, and you're thinking, all right, you know, they're going to come back and, and just push on, and they did. I mean, Manchester United did get a goal, but then Sam Kerr gets one more. Uh, Drew Spence and Jesse Fleming pick up two, uh, one each, and that makes it 6 1. Uh, and it's an impressive win. It's an impressive victory. And uh, I think Fran Kirby becomes the third woman uh, in the Women's Super League to score 50 goals. 
Uh, and that's credit to her. I mean, she, like we've spoken about in the past, had her issues, uh, we know, with her health. And, and even with all of that, she comes back and, and gets back into the goals and creates a little bit of history, becomes the first uh, female from Chelsea to be on that list. Uh, so congratulations to her. And, and overall for the team, they're now sitting in fourth spot uh, after three games played and um, a good way to bounce back after that initial loss against Arsenal. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's the key for me. It's not just bouncing back in the loss. It's the way that they did that is so emphatically beating Manchester United in Manchester. It just sends a message not only to the rest of the women's league, but to themselves saying, hey, let's pick up what we were doing last season and continue from there. Yeah, and, and we're the defending champions. So, yeah. um, you know, it's it's showing the rest of the league that this is why we won it last season and we're not going to be going away anywhere this season. So right. um, massive win for them and they move on to a midweek game against Birmingham City in the FA Cup quarterfinal. A fun fact about this is the, the FA Cup started for the women at the end of last season, took a break for the summer <laughs> and continues this season, which is kind of interesting because uh, you'd think the, the FA Cup would end with the season last season, but it continues. And it's an opportunity for Chelsea to win a trophy that, technically would count as a treble from last season <laughs> um but anyway we could claim it for both seasons so there you go away to birmingham city and should be a, you know should be qualifying for from the quarterfinal for the semifinal but again you never know so um wishing them all the best and, and we'll be watching and supporting absolutely i completely agree with you but that wraps it up, guys. Thank you very much for listening. Please continue to subscribe, like, and follow us. It's at the Premier Chels on Apple, Spotify, Google, and Instagram. And on Twitter, it's at Premier Chels. Uh, as always, send us your feedback. Send us your reviews, especially on Apple Podcasts. And we will give a shout-out to uh, everyone that leaves a review on Apple. So be sure to do that. Uh, and we will be back later this week to do a Juventus review and a Southampton preview. But until then... Stay safe and up the chills.